Welcome to On The Map. I'm Lee Carriher, your host. I'm the CEO and founder of Double Forte, a national independent public relations, social media, and communications agency. We are on a mission to help companies from the solopreneur to the mid-cap market maker achieve their goal, get on the map, be known for what they're great for, and make a difference in the world. At the end of the show, which is about 20-ish minutes, I will share with you how to become a guest on the show. So please stick around for that. In the meantime, here's the next 23, 24 minutes of greatness in marketing communications and helping people get on the map with real life advice. Here we go. It's Lee Carher, and this is On the Map, where we talk about how to get on the map for what you want to be known for. And today I have Karen Catlin, who I've known forever, it feels like, um, and who is like the prime example of a person who has had one career and got on the map for another career and has just flourished with it. And she has been so um, generous uh, to be willing to share with us what she did to make this transition. So thank you, Karen, so much for being on the show. Pleasure to be here, Lee. I love talking with you. <laughs> I want to give you a little bit of background, um, her bio, um, just so you have understand a little more, and then we're going to dive into the questions. So um, after spending 25 years building software products and serving as the vice president of engineering at Macromedia and Adobe, Karen Catlin witnessed, witnessed the sharp decline in the number of women working in tech. Frustrated but galvanized, she knew it was time to switch gears. Today, Karen is a leadership coach and a highly acclaimed author and speaker on inclusive workshops. She's the author of three books, Better Allies, Everyday Actions to Create Inclusive, Engaging Workplaces. This is the first edition. Um, the Better Allies Approach to Hiring and Present, A Techie's Guide to Public Speaking. Thank you, oh guru of all, um, for sharing with us. So. Um, when I saw your first book, so I read your first book, you know, I was such a huge fan, um, because you were able to put things into writing that people like myself could actually pick up and go do right. Um, not just a serial, like, Oh, be a better ally. I don't even know what that means. Um, and this was really before George Floyd. So before allyship became much more in the mainstream. So when you became frustrated but galvanized, tell us about that moment where you said, I got to change. Sure, sure. So I was working at Adobe and I was the most senior woman in engineering. And so I was starting to realize there was a whole conversation happening. And this goes back, gosh, 12, 13 years, Lee. So a whole conversation was happening about the lack of gender diversity in tech mm -hmm. and why that was a problem. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I kind of didn't realize that was a thing because I was just kind of busy. I mean, you know, we have, we have children the same age. I was just like leaning in. Thank you, Cheryl. And working hard and raising my kids. And I just wasn't paying attention to this additional dynamic that was happening. But then I, it was kind of like brought to my attention. I was at a conference. I learned all about the dialogue that was happening. And I was like, I should be doing something for women at Adobe. So I started our employee resource group for women. I started mentoring a lot of women and kind of just being that vocal advocate for gender diversity. Like, you know, with that engineering all hands, we should have a woman presenting or whatever. Um, <laughs> so, um, so anyway, 
after doing that for a few years, in addition to being a VP of engineering, like just one of them became, I was more passionate about it and more excited about it. And it wasn't being a VP of engineering anymore. So that was the kind of the catalyst and the pivot point for me where I decided I wanted to be supporting women working in tech full time. And I started a leadership coaching practice. So I'll leave it there. There's more to the story, but that's, that's the catalyst to answer your first question. So when you started your leadership coaching practice, um, and you put your shingle, we call it putting your shingle out. Yeah. Hung that shingle. What were the biggest challenges for, for that getting your first clients? Um, well, so (laughs) this is like, so me, but like I had to do research. I had to, you know, talk to a lot of people, do a lot of networking, and finally, two, two people who I've worked with before, one of them was just like, and these were his exact words. He's like, Karen, you just need to hang that shingle. Go get KarenCatlin.com, register it, put your website and just put out what you're going to do. And I'm like, yeah, I got to just do that. Right. So it's like that. Just, I don't know. It's like so simple, but for some reason I was not doing that. And then another person I was talking to was like, well, I was telling him like so many people have these like coaching certificates and I've gone to school. He's like, yeah, Karen, some people need to go to school and some people can just go do it and just go do it. So it was people around me who were saying, you know, pushing me and I needed that. Awesome. Um, You are not the first woman who has told me that, that they needed someone to push them to do that because they're like, Oh, I don't know. I need to research. You know, am I qualified? Yeah. You're effing qualified. Uh, It is hard. It is hard. Um, And when, Tell me about when you decided, so um, Karen has uh, a Twitter, uh, at Better Allies. Uh, I think that's what it is. And um, and I was like, oh, what is this? Because I remember um, I was like following you. And then I was like following Better Allies. Like, what is, what is that? And I started watching that. And then all of a sudden, it's like, how'd you get 2,000 followers? Oh, she's up to three. Wait, what? What is happening? So tell me about getting, when deciding on the allyship, and when you decided to do this book, um, okay. and then yeah. how you got to that. Okay. So I started coaching and I love coaching. I still do it today, but, and all of my clients are women who for the most part work in tech. And I realized soon, like, wait a second, maybe I'm a good coach could be better, but my clients are amazing and they're learning and they're, they're trying and they're so open to all of this feedback and these ideas, they're doing it all but they're still not getting ahead. Mm-hmm. And the reason they're not getting ahead is because the companies they're working for are not truly the meritocracies that most people think companies are, where you get ahead on your merits, on your work product, on the value you're adding to the company, right? Because all of them were working in companies where basically the closer you got to the CEO, to the C-suite, just the mailer and paler they got, right? So, right. so that's when I realized to truly help my coaching clients, I needed to make their companies more inclusive. And in fact, I wanted to make companies everywhere more inclusive. Like that was sort of like this, you can call me naive, it's fine. But like this big grand vision of like, I can change the world. I can make companies more inclusive so my clients can be successful and other, other people. Um, and of course, what do you do when you want to change the world? You start a Twitter handle. So, and this goes back to 2014. I've been doing this. Still uh, true. It's still true. Lot. Still true. Okay. <laughs> Still true. So I started the Twitter handle at Better Allies, and my goal was to share 
And you mentioned this in your intro, just these simple things people could do to be more inclusive. They didn't need to be head of diversity and inclusion at their right. company. They didn't need to be chief people officer, CEO, anything. They could be individual contributors. They could be managers. They could be directors. Didn't matter. What could you do? So I just started tweeting these things. Like, um, I pledge to notice when a woman is interrupted in a meeting and redirect the conversation back to her with a simple, hey, I'd like to hear Emma finish what she was saying. Simple things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Occasionally, Lee, and I wish I could channel more of this, but occasionally I get snarky on Twitter. And I think that really resonates with a lot of people on Twitter. Yeah. Um, an example you're not of snarky, really a snarky person, though. I don't think of you. When I think of snark, your picture is not next to that in the dictionary. Yeah, not in the dictionary next to snark. <laughs> I know. So it's hard for me, but it's but I try sometimes. Um, and just an example of a snarky tweet would be um, remember back when Uber was in the news all the time for lack of or for gender discrimination, not lack of, but for gender discrimination. Um, just one of the many things that came out is that the CEO and founder of Uber, his name's Travis Kalanick, he was using the nursing mother's room, the lactation room to meditate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that means the nursing mothers can't get in there to do what they need to do. Right. Um, so when I see that I go over to Twitter and I tweet, you know, I pledge not to use the nursing mother's room for my med- personal meditation. You know, And then the snark is like, unlike at Travis or whatever his handle is on Twitter. Right. So one thing Lee here, and this is, um, I think something I'm proud of that I did. Um, and it just kind of happened, but you notice these were like first person tweets. I, 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 yet the Twitter handle was anonymous mm-hmm. initially. It's not anymore, but it was anonymous initially. And most people thought that it was a man tweeting these things to other men. And I love that. I didn't really think yeah. about it like that, that it would be so powerful, but it turned out to be powerful because it was a, a man, even though it was me, a man speaking to men about how they could act differently. And, um, and I kept that going for years, mm-hmm. years. Um, mm-hmm. Now, during the course, and I'll get to why I wrote the book, during the course of this tweeting, and I'm still doing my coaching, like this is only like a, a couple tweets a day. It really isn't that big a deal, but I was growing in followers, as you said. And I knew, and especially when you're new at Twitter, like there's a day you get 10 followers and you're like, Oh, what's happening? You go and explore and you realize, okay, they're all at the same conference. They're tweeting other things with some conference hashtag. So someone must've mentioned me in a keynote, like I just knew mentioned better allies. And then other times people would, I'd see tweets come out like, Hey, at, 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 and they'd add a whole bunch of their friends to tag them. Do you know about better allies? You should follow them. They're really cool. So the Twitter handle started growing in popularity, still anonymous. And then I started getting speaking requests to this anonymous Twitter handle. <laughs> hey, does, does anyone at better allies do any speaking? Cause we've got this conference or this internal company event or whatever. And because I still wanted to stay anonymous, I would respond and say, yes, one of our contributors does some public speaking. We'll put you in touch with her. And then I go over to my personal Twitter account and DM them and say, hey, I contribute to Better Allies. I love public speaking. So I started speaking on stages, at conferences, internal events. And every time I gave a talk, someone would ask during the Q&A, uh, hey, Karen, this was great, this talk, but we want more do you have a book? Mm-hmm. And I was like, first time, uh, no, no book. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, no book yet. No, it just kept happening. And so I finally did write um, 
Better Allies, the book, and it's now in its second edition. Which is so amazing, right? It's so, it's such an accomplishment. So um, a few things really stick out to me. One is the men, particularly when you started that Twitter uh, account, there are more men percentage wise on Twitter than there were women. And that is, that gap has closed on Twitter, but it's still more male dominated than women dominated. Unlike other platforms like Pinterest or, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, also the thing about Twitter too is on topics, right? Because you were, one, you were not shy about tagging people, right? And you were tagging behind a, um, an anonymity, I get it, but you were tagging people. Um, <clears throat> and you were also very timely, right? Everything was, it was timely. Like the thing about came out about the, the nursing and then the nursing rooms and there was a timely thing. So you, you got on it. Um, I mean, that, that, those dots, right? The dots are, I wanna be a better ally what do you want to do? You want to be on Twitter. And that is still true. If you want to start a, mo a movement, please go on Twitter, particularly for an adult. Uh, <laughs> it works on other platforms too, but from um, a, uh, this, from a business perspective to corporate America, Twitter's where you really need to be no matter what um, that has not changed. Um, but you were, you were not doing things like crazy, like 300 tweets a day, but you were getting on there. You were saying, you know, giving your, your, your commentary and it just grew from there. Yeah. Right. Because you heard it, he hit a nerve, right. You were, you were showing, basically putting a mirror up to the people who were saying one thing and doing another, right. Yeah. You, you were basically finding the gap between what people said they were doing, and what they were actually doing. And people, and, no matter who you are, people like to understand those disingenuous gaps. Yeah. And Lee, I'll say that there are so many people that I was talking to at the time and still today is like, well, of course, I'm a decent human being, but I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to be more inclusive. I don't understand yeah. what discrimination looks like. I don't see it. And so I was meeting a need. I was, I was meeting yeah. a need in terms of, okay, you want to know what to do? Here are some things. You're going to be in a meeting later today. Look out for this. Um, are you hiring? Here are some things that you can do to be more inclusive. Right. So it was very tangible, actionable, practical things people could do. And it met a need. Well, I think that's the other piece about a business, right? A business flourishes when it meets a need. You just happen to have found a niche that is uh, universal. Uh <laughs> Which is unusual, right? Most niche, when you decide, oh, this is what I'm going to do. You said earlier, women in tech. But anything that's true about women in tech is probably true for women anywhere. Yes. Um, but you just knew women in tech, right? Yeah, exactly. I knew that business. I, I could channel what men in tech would want because I'd worked in yeah. tech for 25 years. Right. And Lee, I should emphasize, too, that while women were my initial focus with Better Allies, I soon realized that, oh, my gosh, if I think that white women have it bad, which is really what my lens was. What about women of color? What about people from the LGBTQ spectrum? Um, what about um, people of different races, ethnicities, religions? First generation college, dude. I mean, all these things, right? All of this stuff um, and ages and abilities. I mean, so I do have a more expanded focus Absolutely. and that was very present in my second edition of the book. Mm -hmm. Totally, which is why I lent it out. <laughs> 
And I only have this version, but I do have the second version. Actually, I have two copies of that one of them both. By the way, um, Lee, you're, not the, you're one of the first people to say, Karen, I hate the cover on your first oh, edition. No, and I listened right. to that feedback and my second edition cover, which is right behind me, is so much better. Her. Oh my gosh. Karen, wait, so <laughs> Karen said, hey, you got any feedback? It's like, well, I love the book. I hate the cover because you're all about the humans and this is all about gears. And oh my God. And I, I remember sitting and going, well, she asked my real feedback. So I'm going to give it to her. <laughs> she can take it. And I listened. I listened and I value that. So thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. I once was on a board of a friend of mine's company startup <clears throat> and it was a side hustle for her, but she wanted to make it a big thing. And I I don't think you know this person, but anyway, so um, she was doing this as a side hustle and she had big goals. And then one day she calls me and she goes, how am I doing? I'm like, am I, you want to talk to your board member or do you want to talk to your friend? Are they different people? Oh yeah. She goes, well, I want to talk to my friend. You're doing great. I don't know how you do it all. Da, 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 da. You have your two kids, you get them to karate and you're doing the job and you get this thing out in the world. Oh, okay. Let me talk to your board member you should roll this company up and stop it. <laughs> me being a better ally, not so finessed as you, Karen. Anyway, um, feedback is a, is a gift, apparently. <laughs> it is. And, and there's so much research that shows women don't get that career-growing, yeah. developmental kind of constructive feedback. So you were being an ally by, by laying it out. Um, yeah, I know I wanted to talk to Karen today. Um, but that is really interesting. So that just that piece right there. And and that's really about women. Women don't give it and they don't get it as much because there's so much, um, there's so much charged into giving a woman feedback. If you're a man or if you're another woman, it's just anyway. So awesome. So what I, and then what other things that you do, you do now? So you have your website, you have your books, you have your Twitter, you have your speaking. What else, what else do you do to, to leverage all that and stay relevant? I know, I know. So while the book is popular, um, you, you, you know this and you hear it from so many nonfiction authors, um, to really monetize and capitalize on a book, you do speaking. So I do a lot of speaking and not only because that is good for my business, but it gets the word out more. That is um, what I'm, you know, why I even started this handle was to change the world. And so now by speaking at audiences around the world, I am doing that as well because not everyone's going to want to read a book. So I do a lot of speaking. Now, Lee, we need to talk about email, email newsletters, right? Yep. Okay, so I had started an email newsletter for Better Allies before I launched my book. It was sort of a a way of figuring out some writing and some things I wanted to do around it. Um, And that newsletter initially, okay, whenever anyone starts a newsletter, you subscribe like all your family members, like your kids who have like three email addresses, like (laughs) those old ones, you you add them all because you just want some, some traffic, right. And you convince people to share it and everything. So I started the newsletter probably with like 20 people. Um, It has surpassed my reach than, than Twitter. It's, it's surpassed Twitter in terms of the reach I get now with my newsletter. Um, I was kind of sending it out every now and then. It was lackluster. It really was. It was like blogging, but I put it in a newsletter. Right. Um, and it wasn't until someone, I was on a webinar and someone was talking about how much they love 
Tim Ferriss's Five Bullet Fridays. He has a newsletter. Yeah. He sends it out on Fridays, Five Bullet Fridays. Mm-hmm. And I went and looked at it. I'm like, get, well, it's kind of a zingy name, but I went and looked at it. It's just like, okay, it's just some guy who's talking about how, you know, different things he ca- that catches his attention online during the course of the week, like his favorite Instagram post and all this like useless stuff. I'm like, why is this so popular? I could write a newsletter called five ally actions every Friday that would actually provide helpful information. So when I shifted from just this, like I call, I'll say it was lack of direction, just this newsletter, I'd heard you got to have a newsletter. I shifted from that newsletter to a very specific format called Five Ally Actions. That changed everything. Um, it grew, started growing in popularity. I could tell it was being successful when um, I use MailChimp. Other service providers probably do similar things, but you can go in and you can see your top readers, like the top five email it was how many times they opened it. Well, when one person opens your email a thousand times in the first couple hours, that's not them. They have forwarded on to other people in their company, network, group, whatever. And so mm-hmm. when I see that, I'm like, okay, this was successful. I got to keep doing more of this. Um, and frankly, when um, poor Mr. George Floyd was killed in May of 2020, the world changed in terms of allyship. And I saw like my, my growth in subscribers just skyrocketed. I mean, it was, it's kind of like what we're seeing in Omicron right now. It's just like, right. boom. Oh, yeah. um, I'm sorry. That was maybe, yeah. No, but it's the same idea, right? It's the same yeah. concept of, of tipping point, right? A tipping point. Yeah. So my newsletter has allowed me to do very effective outreach and incredibly efficient business development. This is how I get my speaking uh, inquiries now is is people respond to my newsletter. Um, I know it and, or they heard about me through the newsletter or something. Um, My newsletter, I have hmm, approaching like 26,000 subscribers, which I think is a decent amount for a solopreneur over here. on MailChimp. That's you must be one of the biggest thing on Mailchimp because that usually Mailchimp doesn't accommodate that. So, oh well, oh okay. Anyway, no, they they they're they're um, expensive, I think, but they're doing okay for me. Um, um, so um, so, but when I think about like, yeah, I write it every week. I'm consistent. I spend my time, you know, hours of my time curating what I want to put in there. By the way, I'll get back to Twitter again. It's helpful with this newsletter. Um, and I pay a little bit to have a virtual assistant, you know, format it and send it out and stuff, but it's really not that much money out of pocket. And it's very inexpensive business development for me as a solopreneur company of one over here to yeah. be doing the outreach and getting the, the speaking um, engagements. Well, I think with that really, the book end of that, which is the Twitter, which is anybody, right? Anybody in the world and the newsletter, which is you have to subscribe. The, those are wonderful bookends to talk about how to do this, right? So the Better Allies Twitter really helped shape what you were doing and got you opportunities. But really the email is the, frankly, the most important thing you can possibly do because yeah. it is someone saying, yes, I will be in your, in, I will let you into my email, right? Um, and it seems so, I just had this conversation the other day. It seems like, oh my gosh, it's email. It's terrible. Who reads emails? If you're a working person, you're reading email. You are. And if you, if you subscribe, you allow people into your email feed. Well, that is a valuable thing. 
that's the most valuable thing. You can get to those people. You can send them a message. If they open it or not is all about them and your subject line, right? You can get better at email. But if you think about that bookend, everybody, everybody in the world can be on Twitter and, and 26,000, that's a big number for a solopreneur doing what you're doing. Oh my gosh, I'm so impressed. Um, but those two bookends are very different in nature, right? Yeah. Better allies at the Twitter is about broadcasting. And what you're doing on your, you know, is about curating, right? It's about relationship. Yeah. This is about cap, cap, you know, commenting and then hooking people more than anything else. That's an excellent, excellent. um, Most people don't do it that way. So that's great. Okay. And well, let me tell you about there's a bridge as well between those bookends. Now we're really mixing metaphors here, but okay, there are books between the bookends. I don't know. But what I do when I sit down Monday mornings to write my newsletter, the first thing I do is I look at my tweets from the past week and figure out what resonated with people, what got the most likes, the most retweets, the most commentary. And that's what I then start my newsletter with. My, the framework of my newsletter becomes what was popular on Twitter for me the last week. So it's and actually kind of a discipline of making sure I'm tweeting mm-hmm. to, to start that curation process that I then incorporate into my, into my newsletter. Um, in addition, and this is like just gold when I can do it, is whenever I've made a mistake during the past week, whether it's like when I answer a question in a public setting, like, you know, in a, in a talk I'm giving or made a mistake in some, my previous email newsletter, um, when I can own that mistake and learn from it and share that with my subscribers, that is gold. Oh, People love it. Love um, it. So I look to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm, drinking from the fire hose of Karen Catlin in terms of um, how much great thing, how many great things you've been able to do by focusing, by paying attention to where you're getting traction, by leveraging, seeing what other people get traction for. Um, I mean, I think uh, you're an amazing observer, um, which when you can, you can only be relevant when you're observing, right? Um, And your observations have helped you shape and become even more relevant over time with your business. So um, that's awesome. And there's not a business out there who can't learn from what Karen has shared today. You don't have to have a great Twitter handle. Let's get started, you know, all this stuff together, but how it all works together, tying it all together is, um, and seeing where it leads, right? I mean, you had a, you didn't have a, I don't know if you did, but yours sort of unveiled itself. Yes, you did this, I did. And you did that, and you did this. It's I had hard no to do all those things at the same time, right? Because one thing led to the next. Right. I had right? no goal to write a book or to be speaking on global stages about allyship. That was not my goal. My goal was to help my coaching clients. Right. Um, and so, and yeah, it's um, and this is why personally, I never have a five-year plan because it's like opportunities present themselves that right. I could not have predicted. And so that's been my mo, and it's worked for me. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing all those great things. We're going to have um, all of Karen's links in our show notes. There's going to be lots of stuff there. And I highly recommend her book. This is the wrong cover, but look at the cover behind her face. Uh, Highly recommend it. Subscribe to her Twitter. Subscribe to her email because you're going to get awesome, awesome um, things, actionable things you can do. And if you just do one thing a month, you're already ahead of what Karen is recommending. So Thank you, Karen, so much. Thank you, Lee. It was a pleasure. All right, everybody. I'm Lee Carher, and this is On the Map. 
Thank you so much for listening to On The Map. If you're a successful entrepreneur of a company or if you are a a marketing executive who has had success on getting on the map in your industry or your location or among certain different consumers or customers, I would love to talk to you about how you did it, what programs and tactics you use to become known, become famous for what you do, the difference you make for your customers and your clients or your consumers. Um, In order for you to apply, just go over to my website, go.double-forte.com backslash podcast slash guest. And that's a mouthful. It'll be in the show notes. So just go down there and apply. We are publishing on the map all the time with awesome guests who are sharing for from the trenches ideas and success stories that we can all apply in our own businesses. So it to get all of the shows and not miss anything, please subscribe. And I so appreciate you if you can also give me a thumbs up or give me a rating. This helps the show be seen. I can't under, you can't underestimate the power of a a thumbs up and I would really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And now it's time for you to go get on the map.